0: Hey everybody, this is Randy Drawn, I'm Senior Pastor at Midtown Fellowship, and you are at the very first official worldwide release of the Pastoral Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is uh, me along with Dave Burden, who's Pastor over Creve Hall, and Elliot Cherry, who is at 12 South, and say hey guys.
1: Hey guys. Hey everybody. (laughs)
0: We are bringing our forces together. Uh, we would have had Brant here, but Brant is still in California, and uh, we'll be back, I think, sometimes this weekend. And we've gathered to try to give you uh, an opportunity to uh, study the, the Word of God, to kind of pause and give worship, because we're not meeting this week. And maybe be good for us to talk a little bit about why we made the decision to
1: cancel our worship service this Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Dave, did you guys lose your space? Um, yeah, I think that as people who meet, the Creep Hall congregation in East Nashville both meet in metro school facilities, and with the close of school and some of the precautions that they're taking, um, they are restricting use of the facilities pretty heavily at this point. So, um, that made it not possible for us to meet on uh, on Sunday mornings there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we also have some folks that, Midtowners that have been exposed to the virus. Yep. Um, yep. LA.
2: Yeah, we've had several midtowners that we know of that have been in contact with confirmed cases and so it was kind of just a collective pastoral decision to say hey, I think the best way to not only love our people but love our city is to try to kind of join together and say let's let's do what is wisest and best mm-hmm. um for the foreseeable future. So
0: Yeah, cuz it's crazy um the things that are being said out there, the predictions that are being made kind of people are talking like this thing is going to be horrible, but maybe you guys could talk a little bit about how what Midtown is doing is not a fearful action, Mm. but it's actually just the opposite.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that some of the uh, advice and, counsel we've sought out from medical professionals and people who are experts in infectious disease and things Which like that. Which we got a lot of those guys yeah. and gals in mm-hmm. Midtown. Most of them are telling us that that one of the best ways that we can help care for those who uh, are at risk are at high risk or more vulnerable to the effects of of the virus is actually by helping slow it down Mm -hmm. um, by not having gatherings of Mm -hmm. certain sizes where uh, people are overlapping so much. So uh, it sounds like that some of the main concern, at least from uh, the medical folks we've spoken to, is that if too many people were infected at the same time, that the strain that that would put Mm -hmm. on our ability not only to care for those people, Mm -hmm. but to care for the people uh, who are experiencing other things, yeah. uh, heart attacks, and yeah. things of that nature, uh, would actually really be compromised, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of um, a collective agreement and act of hey, to to really care for again the most vulnerable. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's best practice right now yeah. to follow.
0: So, Dave, I'm going to ask you this question. So, the rumor that we're doing this just because Elliot wanted a week off so he could go down to the Bahamas—that's no longer. Is Rumors that not true? Are always half true.
1: They're always it's, partially true. <laughs> yes. No. That is not true. Yeah, and I think
0: there's also
2: something to be said, and I don't think this would come as a surprise to our people, but not gathering in corporate worship as a church doesn't remove us from the Jesus that we yeah. gather to worship. Right. Um, I was actually came across something that. Charles Spurgeon wrote 150 years ago when their Sunday assembly was threatened and they didn't gather. And he said, the removal from the means of grace doesn't remove you from the grace that those things (laughs) represent. Mm -hmm. And so this is in a solidarity act with the city and with the people that we Mm want to love. It doesn't remove us from Jesus. We're trying to actually love the
0: city. So, I love how you quote Charles Spurgeon and I quote earth, wind, and fire. It just balances us out. You I, know? <laughs> I think they once said, <laughs> I don't remember what they said. <laughs> but you know, it is true that, that this act uh, of us not meeting this week is not running away from the problem. In mm-hmm. fact, in many ways, it's running into it because we love our city. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a deep love for Nashville and actually feel deeply called. We're on mission for our city. Yeah. And a part of the way to love this city and care for this city and show compassion toward this city is to help our city, um collective effort to slow yeah. the spread of this virus. I've only
2: been around Midtown for, gosh, 10 or 11 years, but half of Midtown's life, I guess. I've only had this happen one other time, a cancellation of a Sunday service on a snow day. Have Was this the second?
1: Have I been around I for I think both? the only other time was the flood. Oh, the flood. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. we canceled on that day as That's well. That's right, yeah. So.
0: Isn't it crazy that God called the army of Midtown out when the tornado hit Mm-hmm. And now he's calling the army of uh, Midtown in yeah. when yeah. the virus hits, but they're mm-hmm. both the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, just different reactions yeah. to different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I thought we would spend a little time this week. We were going to preach out of Luke chapter 8. We started this chapter last week when we preached on Jesus calming the storm, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful passage. Uh, this whole chapter is beautiful, especially for this the season in Nashville with tornadoes and now the coronavirus, where... Mm-hmm. This is a whole chapter talking about that Jesus is greater than nature and is greater than our fear of nature, mm. which we can't control. Mm. And today we're going to talk about Jesus is greater, he is the greatest in the spiritual world, mm-hmm. that this world of demons, he is still king and he faces our fears with that part of the world. And then next week we're going to talk about death and how Jesus is even greater than death and faces our fears of the grave. Mm-hmm. So um, why don't we just dive into it? Yeah. When you guys want to read our passage? Yeah.
1: Let me read. Yep. All right. This is Luke uh, chapter 8, uh, verses 26 through 39. ESV. It is an ESV. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house, but was among the tombs. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him to not command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And then the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people in the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear." So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him.
0: Thanks, Dave. Maybe we can uh, spend a little time talking about what's in this story. What do yeah. you guys see here? What strikes you? And, mm-hmm. um what do you find odd? And believe it or not, there are a lot of things in stories like this that uh, we have questions about that we don't have answers yeah. to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe more things than we want to admit, yeah. right? Yeah.
2: yeah, I think as a interesting chronological. If you were around last week and heard about Jesus calling the storm, there was a storm they thought they were going to die in, and then this is literally the next day. Like, you, you get off the boat and a demon-possessed man is greeting them. There's got to be some level of them going, don't we get some kind of break from the crazy? Like, we just had a really hard night. So, yeah, I mean, I think to be greeted by a demon-possessed man the morning after you thought you were going to die, there's got to be something the disciples that's exhausted yeah. and wondering what in the world
0: they've signed up for, you know? Yeah. So just talk about that for a minute, guys. I mean, this guy's possessed by a demon. I mean, that's really gripping to think about that – we live in a spiritual world where that's possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe even in light of what we're facing this week uh, with the virus, it's not something that probably many people in our day and age have a context for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet scripture makes it really clear. You know, I think we talked about Ephesians uh, chapter six recently mm-hmm. that uh, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces in the world. And I yeah. think sometimes it's it's easy to kind of live mm-hmm. uh, either willingly or unwell, unknowingly obtuse mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. So
0: Maybe you guys don't remember the movie The Exorcist yeah, that came out in like the mid-'70s. But I remember when that came out, you know, it had Linda Blair. I think that was the actress's name mm-hmm. where her head spun around in the movie yeah. and she was vomiting like pea soup everywhere. But after that movie was released, everybody was terrified. Like sermons were preached about... Yeah. Uh, demons in the spiritual world, because mm-hmm. everybody was terrified that they were going to get possessed by demons. Mm-hmm. And when you read this, it really can generate a lot of fear mm-hmm. about what's really going on in the spiritual world. All that y'all just said is is very true. I think it should
2: be comforting, even in the modern day, that that's a reaction to know that we're not alone in that. This town was terrified of this man who was demon-possessed. Yeah, like, that's true. It's not like that we've gotten more afraid of demons in right. the spiritual realm that we don't understand and we can't see. We these people were terrified of him. They had outcast him to the right. edge of the city and to the tombs, and they were trying to shackle him up and put him in chains. And so I think that it's natural and maybe uh, the normal thing to encounter when you are to experience when you encounter demons is fear. Like these people are terrified of this dude Uh, because they can't control him. What are are they supposed to do with this guy?
0: Um, Does it strike you? And maybe I'm jumping ahead of where you're trying to go with this, Elliot, but in Mark, it describes this guy, and is it Mark chapter 5 that has a story? And he says that he lived in the tombs and cried all night. And cut himself. Yeah, cried out. Like, what would it take for that to become normal, that you're going to sleep and you can hear this guy crying from the tombs? Mm -hmm. And the town people were just living with that. Yeah, (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's become, in the garrison town, the normal thing, that the crazy guy out in the tombs that cries and screams every night. So he shows up, and Jesus, uh, he runs up to Jesus' feet. And in the Luke version of the story, the order of operations is a little kind of weird to try to see chronologically what's going on. But this demon-possessed man screams out at Jesus, son of the most high God, don't torment me which I think is interesting because whether it's the demons or the man talking, it's very clear that this person knows exactly who Jesus is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which is interesting in light of almost every story we've studied up until this point, mm-hmm. whether Jesus has been forgiving sins, healing the sick, raising the dead, mm-hmm. and rebuking the storm. Everybody continues to ask the question, who is this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus? It was one of you guys that brought up last week that
0: this is how the story of the storm ended, where the disciples were yeah. saying, "Who is this? Mm-hmm. They can do this."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the only person, or people, mm-hmm. or demons right. uh, who are fully clear on who Jesus is before He does anything, right, is the demon-possessed man. Yeah. And yeah. they have complete clarity on who He is. Yeah. And what do yeah, the story, was,
2: the story of the storm ends by the disciples asking, "Who is this Jesus?" And then the next <laughs> Words in the narrative are demons answering that question, yeah. Yeah, the demons know exactly who Jesus is. Um, (laughs) and I think they're the first people in the book of Luke to
0: clearly state exactly who Jesus is. is. So let's keep going through the story and what's up with the pigs. Since Dave has the most experience with pigs, (laughs) that's right. Maybe you could tell us are all pigs demon possessed or just (laughs) these 2,000?
1: Well, they are ornery animals that you don't want to mess with, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think. You know, there's a lot of uh, speculation as to that conversation and why they asked to go into the pigs. And mm. as a uh, f- former hog farmer uh, <laughs> who has some <laughs> sense of what a what a herd of pigs, can we just pause for a moment because
0: yeah. I think that uh, that's just so awesome that you have that title in your life. Yeah, it's yeah. That's all I wanted to say.
1: Yeah, it's it's on my resume yeah. <laughs> of things I've done, but. You know, I think one of the things that is drawn out in that is just that a a herd of pigs would have been of of really high economic value Mm -hmm. uh, to this town and to this region. And so for that to be destroyed, I was actually doing some math, and we don't really exactly know how many was in a herd. But, Randy, we were talking earlier just that a herd of pigs, if you lost an entire herd, and let's just say that herd was at market weight, the economic impact could literally be in the hundreds of thousands to even millions of dollars Mm. in today's pig market. Mm -hmm. And so when these demons went into these pigs and then these pigs were destroyed mm-hmm. uh, the ripple effect on, of that on the community mm-hmm. um, on their economy yeah on their way of life on you know the way that they did things yeah. uh, was pretty catastrophic
2: yeah and I, I mean as a it's not necessarily a comical aside but as a, a part of the imagining how this scene went down you who've worked with pigs I'm imagining it's not easy to get a herd of pigs to go in unison anywhere. No. And then imagining these shepherds of this herd of pigs seeing this army of pigs run in the same direction all together. Yeah. Like this whole scene is is absurd. Like yeah. what, what in the world is happening on this hillside?
1: Yeah, pretty much pigs don't want to do anything you want them to do. Yeah. And when we would herd pigs to get <laughs> pigs to go where you wanted them to go yeah, was tough to do one at a time. If you had... right. A 1,000 right. or however many pigs this was running in, in one direction, it would have been pretty intense. Yeah, the, <laughs>
2: the word for the demons inside the man is legion, and that's the Roman army equivalent of 6,000 soldiers approximately. And so this could have been 6,000 demons in this man, and then they get sent to this herd of pigs. And so depending on your pig-to-demon ratio, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how many pigs that meant, but... A substantial number, yeah. Of pigs. Yeah, yeah.
0: but it, it's it's interesting to me that scripture doesn't need to resolve all the mystery around this. Mm-hmm. That I mean, anybody listening to this, and including the three of us, we have so many questions about the spiritual world and why these demons preferred the pigs and staying in the area versus the abyss. And mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about that later. But it's a lot like faith. That faith has a lot of mystery to mm-hmm. it. That brings beauty to it. But also, it can promote fear. Mm-hmm. And we see in that with the townspeople. Because yeah. when the t- town people came out and saw this man in his right mind, instead of rejoicing that the crying in the tombs in the middle of the night are, is over, yeah, and the guard that they had to put on this guy mm-hmm. and the chains, they constantly, something very different
2: happened. Yeah. They see this man in his right mind, and Luke tells us they were afraid at the very thought that this man who they couldn't control and had been afraid of was now sane and, and sitting at the feet of Jesus, and it, it made them afraid. But then what's even more interesting is that then the, the witnesses, it tells us, tell the townspeople how it happened, and
0: they become more
1: afraid. They become more afraid, Because yeah.
2: they're, now they're dealing with a Jesus who's more powerful than they know
0: what to deal with. Yeah. And so they ask Jesus to leave, and he accommodates them, and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> But before he leaves, this man asks to go with Jesus, mm-hmm. and something unusual happens.
2: Yeah. I think it's the only time in the Bible where this happens, where someone asks to stay with Jesus, and he sends him away and says, no, you have to go back to your hometown
0: and tell everyone about what I've done for you. And he, and he goes. Before we dive into that, I'd like to just tackle a couple of things that I think might be good for us and for the body of Christ during this crazy week and the mm-hmm. weeks to come. Let's go back up to the guy that is demon possessed. Maybe you guys could talk a little bit about this exchange he had with Jesus, mm-hmm. where Jesus asked him a question. Would you guys talk a little bit about that question and what you see here?
2: Mm. Mm. It struck me this week in preparing for the sermon that I am now so glad I don't have to preach. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it struck me that Jesus's first words recorded in Luke is that is this question to the man, and he asked the man, "What is your name?" And there's this weird interplay as the story is unfolding between you can't really tell are the demons speaking or is the man speaking? And is there's this blurred line between who's answering the questions and who's crying out and who is who. And so for Jesus to ask this man his name, I, I think is not, or to ask the demons their name, I think it's obviously Jesus being very intentional with this man. This guy has no idea who he is. yeah And so I think this is like surgery from Jesus. You don't know who you are and I've got to clear up. This fog for you. I'm about to tell you who you are. Are you able, demon possessed man, or demons? Can we separate out the real you and the false you? Because I'm about to make that very clear. We've got to we've got to name it, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I mean, the question that they asked Jesus too, in tandem with that, is you know, what do you want with me? Mm-hmm. And the idea that Jesus, he never just kind of drops into a situation without a purposeful, intentional agenda. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And the spiritual world, the demons, they know that. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not just here, you're here Mm -hmm. to do something. Mm -hmm. And uh, the question, what do you want with me, is a question of, we're under your power. Mm -hmm. Like, you have the authority in the situation. And so, for Jesus to ask, what is your name? I mean, it it seems like what he's fighting for, uh, that maybe the entire town had given up on. Mm -hmm. Like, the entire town had probably said, like, this guy can't change himself and we can't change him. So Mm -hmm. like, let's just kind of get him over there Mm -hmm. where all we have to do is hear him crying out at night, but we don't have to like, like we're going to chain him up and put Mm -hmm. guards around him. Like we're going to pay to keep him away. Yeah. And yet Jesus' interaction with him is actually trying to restore his identity away from someone who is utterly under the power and the control Of the forces of darkness to now being somebody who by the end of the story is being sent back into the very area that he's from to have a profound testimony Mm -hmm. to look at what what God's done for me. And the thing it seems he's doing for him here is he's giving him... His name His, back, right, yeah. maybe, or a new name.
2: Yeah, Randy, I feel like you've talked about this for years. I'm so tired of you talking about it. But the uh, the idea, <laughs> Thanks, like, man. Jesus didn't just come to forgive your sins. He yeah. came to declare you righteous. He didn't just come to free you from the power. Uh, he came to make you alive. He didn't just come to free this man from the torment of the demons of Legion. He actually came to give him a new name. And that's what I think he's doing in the question yeah. is, we got to bring all that up because I'm not just here to make your life not live among
0: the tombs, I'm here to give you a name and send you back on mission. So we've got to clear that up. Talk to our people for a minute, guys, about what happens when we forget our name. Mm. Because I think that what you guys are referring to is the new name that Jesus gives us is sons and daughters. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that's a powerful name that he gives us. And when we forget that name, it's almost like we're tempted to go back and live in the tombs. Mm. Oh, yeah. And uh, especially in this season where there's so much unknowables about the future and especially moms who have little kids and are they going to get sick and you know are we going to get the coronavirus and or is another storm going to come like Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: talk to me and us about what happens when we forget our name
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah I mean I think that if I don't know my name I'm always trying to uh, get a name Mm -hmm. uh, or defend my name Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not living aware of the identity and all that comes with that. Because like you just said, if I'm a son and daughter Mm -hmm. of the most high God, (laughs) Mm -hmm. then all that comes with being in that family is mine in Christ. Mm -hmm. So when I forget that, um, it doesn't make it not true. But functionally, I can live as though that isn't the case. Right.
0: Say that again. That's really good, man. Well, when that I. It, it when doesn't I, make it not true, but what?
1: Yeah, it doesn't make it not true. Um, once I'm his son or his daughter, I'm his son and his daughter. But, you know, just like the prodigal ran away, mm-hmm. uh, I can live as though I'm not a son. Right. Uh, and I can live as though I'm not a daughter. And so when I forget who I am, Oftentimes, because I can't live without a name, right? I have to have a name. That's
2: what I think is interesting about the question, that, or at least this interplay. It's what you just said, is that the darkness is always trying to name me. Give me an example of that. When you say the darkness is always trying to name me. Like Dave just said, I'm always trying to get a name or I already have a name sort of thing. I think that in my parenting for instance when i lose my temper on my kids and then i'm living in the in the shame bucket of that what kind of dad am i that would that would have a moment like that with the ones that he loves for the rest of that night i'm able to listen to the darkness is telling me this is who you are you're a bad dad this is who you are you 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 haven't gotten any better at this this is who you are and so the darkness is always trying to name me they don't just the demons in between my ears don't just want me to mess up. They want me to name myself or they want to name me because I messed up. And so I think that that's always what the darkness is trying to do is not just get me to dance on their team, but also
0: live with the name they give me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's beautiful what you guys are saying. And we often say this here at Midtown that. The darkness wants to move which side of the butt I live on Mm -hmm. because we always live after the butt, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm forgiven but I'm Mm -hmm. a horrible sinner and we live in that category of I'm a horrible sinner. Mm -hmm. Instead of flipping that over that Maybe I'm a horrible sinner, but I am tremendously forgiven. Right, mm-hmm. And darkness wants to flip those things around, and it does it in such a subtle way that right. sometimes we're not even realizing it's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and even our past can do that to where we're right. so used to living in the tombs, and all we know is tomb living. Right. Yeah. That we wear this name, but we wear it loosely because our past has a better name for mm-hmm. us, or maybe a, a louder name for Which us. Which I more. think
2: comes out in the guy's question back to Jesus. That's where the Luke's chronology is a little confusing. But when he bends down and, and is talking to Jesus, I think Luke's making it clear. This is after he's been liberated from the demons, but he says to him, don't torment me. I'm so used to living in torment from the darkness that even the one who came to liberate me, I would think, would be there to torment me. And so I, it's like you said it a couple weeks ago, Randy, oftentimes when you're so sunburned, even love feels, <laughs> feels like it's painful, um, like any touch any, touch, any yeah. touch feels painful. And he's asking Jesus, don't torment me, because if you're more powerful than these demons and all they did was torment me, surely that's what you're here to do too. Yeah.
0: So um, how do I put the right name back on? Hmm. If I can't lose my name, it's my name. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. That's never going to change, but I can forget that or I can stop living out of that Mm -hmm. or I can choose in my freedom in Christ to put a different name on top of that.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I think like when you have a baby, you don't give yourself your name, it's Mm -hmm. given to you. Mm -hmm. Your father and your mother name you, you know, in some really beautiful ways. This man is at the feet of Jesus. And like 1 John 4 says that perfect love drives out fear. <laughs> it casts it out. Mm-hmm. In casting these demons into the pigs, he is literally casting out in that moment by his perfect love, what is dominating the narrative of this man's life. Mm-hmm. So he's free now to receive the name that his father has mm-hmm. for him and that is true truest self yeah. versus the past or the forces or the right. darkness that has named him. And so I think that, you know, I mean, it sounds so churchy and almost oversimplified, but it's it's not uh, any more complicated on some levels. Mm. than I have to keep coming to, to Jesus with all of that mm-hmm. darkness mm-hmm. and with all of that fear and with all of whatever is seizing me, like right. these things were seizing him, mm-hmm. I have to bring those things to the Lord and let his perfect love be the thing that drives them out. Mm-hmm. I don't have the power in and yeah. of myself right. to drive this But stuff I out. think
2: there's an example of that at the end when Jesus sends him back to just tell people what God's done for you. I think that there is this connection between remembering my name and remembering and rehearsing the story. Yeah. you know. It's like, I'm now going back to tell these people what God has done for me. And when I rehearse what God has done for me, I will remember
0: my name. Yep. Do you think that's normative in the Christian walk? That when we experience transformation in our own life, that our transformation becomes more powerful and more real when we actually begin to articulate and become a, a means by which God brings transformation in other people's lives? Because mm. this guy went, where did he go? Back to his neighbor's. I mean, in Matthew, it says that uh, Decapolis, which actually wasn't just one town, but it's ten cities is what that word means. Mm -hmm. So this guy went all over this Greek region proclaiming what Jesus had done for him. Mm -hmm. Maybe talk a little bit about why does us participating in the transformation of other people's lives by the power of the Holy Spirit actually impact our own understanding of our transformation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when this is god's economy how he chooses to do things is that he actually sometimes works very directly with people and then sometimes as we're seeing he's preparing these disciples for a, a lifetime mm-hmm. of you know testifying to the truth of what right. what has been done for them one of god's economies is to work through his people for his people mm-hmm. but when i see god use what he's done in me for the good of someone else yeah that throws another log on the fire of what mm-hmm. he's done for me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it keeps that fire not, you know, kind of dying down to an ember, mm-hmm. but actually builds a bigger bonfire of my own gratitude mm-hmm. for the very thing that he's done for me. So it gives to them in a profound way, but it also re gives the same gift right. uh, back to me yeah. uh, to see uh, and hear yeah. and watch that work happen in them through me it becomes something for me too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And what if you go to, I think it's in Mark chapter seven, just a few chapters after this story in Mark, uh, Jesus returns to the Decapolis and there's a whole host of people who know who Jesus is and are believing in him. And they actually declare you do all things well. I don't know if it was the same townspeople or not, but it's almost like Mark is saying hey, all this guy went back and did was tell the story of what I had done for him. And the fruit of that was people knowing, my Jesus does all things well. And they're bringing the sick to him and bringing the dying to him. And that's like the bow on the end of the story, obviously, that, oh, well, isn't that great? But there's also this sense of Jesus sent this guy back into an, a very unknown chaotic situation. And the story that God was writing is, is I'm actually going to use you telling your story, putting logs on your <laughs> fire to start a wildfire. Um, even though you don't know it right now.
0: I think it's incredible when, I think it's in the book of Revelations where it says we overcome the enemy or the evil one Mm -hmm. by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of the saints. Mm -hmm. Revelation 12, yeah. We could go so far as to say the testimony of the saints is people that know their name. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that challenge our name, especially this week, like fear and uncertainty and doubt and struggle and why would God allow these things to happen? And i just love to hear you guys Mm. Just talk to our people about, how do they pick up their name uh, when they're feeling those things? Because there's nothing wrong with being afraid, Mm. yeah. and Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with being scared, and there's nothing wrong with loving your family and wanting Mm -hmm. good for them, and Mm -hmm. how that can create anxiety in your life. I mean, that's that's just about as normal as you can be to be a human and Mm -hmm. feel those things, but Mm -hmm. talk to us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that in the first part of the story, Jesus steps into what seems to be an unchangeable situation mm-hmm. and works some supernatural change mm-hmm. for this demon possessed man, but how he does that changes some things for this you know area and mm-hmm. this region right. in a way that they don't want Jesus to mess with that mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like you can change the demon possessed guy but don't kind of bump into into our economy or into mm-hmm. our herds, and you know when Jesus bumps into that stuff. And maybe we move from a place of fear of like uncertainty, like wow, what what just happened to being seized with great fear? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I know, I'll just speak for me. I'll use an I statement <laughs> as we follow our guidelines.
0: Great, that's uh, a great reminder. Do we have do we have, a,
1: do, yeah, do we have a podcast guidelines? No, No. we can cross talk all we want. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm about to. Don't worry about you. ten minutes. Yeah. We're gonna fix you, Elliot. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> But, you know, uh, I think one of the things that when, you know, Jesus clearly handles this situation in a way that challenges this area's value of money and their control, their control. Yeah. and what I find, it's hard to say this, but I think it's true to say this, <laughs> to be grateful that Jesus will actually topple some of that because he might be showing me where my my name has kind of slightly drifted out of the i'm a son of the the god and the most high so I'm, are I'm, you I'm,
0: saying that jesus is going to create more fear in my life to <laughs> transform me?
2: <laughs> what about Randy just is like playing host yeah. over there, just <laughs> <Yeah. talking laughs> off, you're just asking That's all what the questions saying, uh, i'm Dave. saying that
1: what sometimes what, when i pull up my fears or my fears are exposed what i find is where my name has subtly become anchored in. Mm-hmm. And Jesus loves me enough to say, I, I don't want your name anchored in mm-hmm. these things. I want your name anchored in me.
2: Well, yeah. And if you, when they get off the boat and they are greeted by this guy, because of what we know about this guy and where they had outcast him to and tried to chain him, they're afraid of this guy. we got a whole town that's afraid, which I think we can relate to this week. Yeah. And then they see this man healed and they're afraid. So we, we got to. Another level of fear. And then they hear how Jesus did it, and now they're finally seized with great fear. It's like Jesus had actually taken care of the thing that they were first afraid of, mm. but they're still afraid. It's because they had like encountered something. They encountered someone who was more powerful than the thing they first thought they were afraid of, yeah. and that challenges me to go, maybe what I thought I was afraid of is is not what I'm actually afraid of. Mm-hmm. And But they had built their whole lives on, well, he's chained in the tombs. Sure, he screams, but he's out there and he won't touch us or hurt us. And now he's healed. Well, that terrifies us because how does that happen now that we hear how he did it? It was this Jesus guy. He's maybe more scary than the demons were um, to these townspeople. In a week that we've had where not only more and more guidelines and cancellations and um, quarantinings and news have been seizing people with great fear, I think that what the townspeople show that we're all maybe the most scared of is the fact that Jesus may not do with his power what we want him to do with his power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's terrifying. Jesus, you could stop Corona from getting into Nashville, but you haven't done that. Mm. And like you said a minute ago, Randy, it's, it's certainly okay to be afraid. It's certainly okay to love our families and want health for our loved ones. I think what Jesus is challenging is, is do you actually know what you're afraid of? Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And let me meet you in that place. Mm -hmm. Uh, And let's talk about that. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because last week, uh, one of the questions we asked at our campus is, if you have enough faith, does Jesus calm all your storms? Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually, as we began to study scripture, we realized that That's not the message of that passage at all because Mm -hmm. there are tons of storms throughout history through these disciples' lives. And we know from all experience that Jesus doesn't come in and calm every one of my storms. In Mm -hmm. fact, uh, he does just the opposite. Many times he's asking me to run into storms Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and get myself. So how can I be confident that this Jesus, who is all-powerful over uh, nature Mm -hmm. and tornadoes, and the Jesus that is all-powerful over every spiritual force that we will ever encounter in this world. Mm -hmm. How are we confident uh, if his value system is different than ours? Because he seemed to care very little about these pig farmers' million-dollar investment (laughs) in 2,000 pigs. By the way, who has 2,000 pigs, man? That's Mm. disgusting. But uh, if you've been around (laughs) pigs, you'll know what I mean. It's a hard thing to keep, 2,000 pigs. Smell you later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me about, so here's a Jesus has a different value system than I do. Here's a Jesus who doesn't always calm my storm. Here's a Jesus that is walking into our lives and giving us new names. How do we trust that Jesus?
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's why um, it's so important to, um, you know, like Colossians, I guess, three says, you know, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Mm -hmm set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, the only way he got to the right hand of the Father was through the cross. Mm -hmm. And the reason he went to the cross, uh, died and rose again, that we'll hopefully get to celebrate in Mm -hmm. April at Easter altogether, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, is because if he's coming in to topple my value system, we already know that his value system is this, you are my treasured possession. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the thing uh, that was so broken that could never uh, be fixed by you or changed by you, the only person who could change what was corrupting the world Mm -hmm. and causing decay and chaos, which was sin, I took that all on myself. And so That's how valuable you are to me. So, if I'm moving into your value systems, it's from that place of uh, I'm fighting for you Mm -hmm. to see Mm -hmm. how profoundly valuable you are to me Mm -hmm. and to free you. I mean, that's what sanctification is many times. You know, it's, Mm it's I'm trying to free you up, not shame you, but free you up so that you can actually walk in the strength and the beauty and the grace and the depth of the value that you already have, mm-hmm. that nothing else can give you that my love can and that I do. So,
2: Yeah. I think that in the demons uh, screaming out or the man, whoever it is, uh, don't torment us, don't torment me, that all of us have a fear of torment from the darkness. And what would happen just a few chapters later is that Jesus would be fully tormented by the darkness. Yeah. This Jesus who we we actually can't, Control or contain this Jesus who has the power to change things that we can't change. This Jesus who has the power to rid this man of 6,000 demons um, is the same Jesus who let himself be swallowed by mm-hmm. the torment. And so there's this loosening of my fear death grip that would say, I have to hold my whole world together in order to be okay. My hands get loosened around that commitment when I get to see Jesus not only deal tenderly with this man, but use his power and let himself be tormented for my sake. I don't have to be afraid of what the darkness might do to me because my Jesus conquered the darkness. I don't have to be afraid of what the demons might do to me because Jesus has uh, once and for all crushed them. Mm. So now I'm liberated and sanctified, like you were saying, to to trust this Jesus when I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And I read this week too, just the idea that uh, it's never helpful when someone is afraid or a town is afraid, just to tell them to stop being afraid. It's always helpful for the Christian to bring our fears to Jesus, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so because he he's trustworthy, because he can handle my fears, and he, and he's not afraid. Mm-hmm. He's clearly not afraid of the darkness here. I might be afraid of Corona this week. Jesus isn't, and so I'll go with the guy who's bigger than the darkness.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love that. This scene starts out with this demon possessed man falling at the feet of Jesus, Mm. and then we find him later sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. when we take our fears and our our uncertainties and we run and fall at the feet of Jesus, Mm. then we sit with Jesus. And you know what's crazy about that part of the story? He wasn't just sitting with Jesus. Mm. He was sitting in community with the Mm. disciples with Jesus. And so it's not just running to Jesus. Sometimes we need to run to each other Mm -hmm. and take each other to the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that transformation is so powerful in our lives. We actually become agents of transformation and we can take each other to Jesus, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, just like we see in the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then
2: It's it's almost offensive that Jesus would send this man back to the town, but it's what you said when we started, Randy, just that in a town that's full of fear, he sends this man to tell a story. And so there's a little bit of what we're walking through this week, where everybody's afraid, and somewhat rightfully so, and and we're not immune to that. Mm-hmm. But maybe the best way to to meet the fear of our own hearts or the town is to tell a story. You know, that's what he sends this man to do. Um, isn't that's so
0: good, Ellie? Because isn't our story that he came and found us, mm-hmm. and he made us his kids, his mm-hmm. son and daughter that we didn't earn it, uh, there was nothing that we could do to possibly achieve this, and yet he broke, he stepped into our brokenness and made us his own. And mm-hmm. if, if he did that for us while we were yet his enemies, mm-hmm. how much more will he not do all things for us? When we retell that story, doesn't that stir hope in us? Doesn't mm-hmm. it stir our faith to trust in him? And mm-hmm. even when we hear those words coming out of our own mouth that encourages other people, then it come back on us like two, tenfold. Yeah. Yeah, I was sitting there listening to Dave talk about throwing logs back on my own
2: embers, um, I'm just sitting here recounting how many times I've gotten to tell what my Jesus has done for me to someone else that it may do something for them, but what it does for me. And then when you when you just did it, I was just I was like able to <laughs> do it for me.
0: Um, yeah, it's, it's really really good. So um, we as a community we fight for that in our own hearts because we know when we go and drink deep of Jesus. That's what gives us a full cup to spill it out on other mm-hmm. people. As we often talk about at Midtown, if you want to be a good forgiver, remember how much you're forgiven. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a good giver, uh, discover how much has been given to you. If mm-hmm. you want to be a good lover, uh, the best way to do that is to go and let yourself be loved mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. we can spill it out. So A lot of time to be still this week. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I'd love to talk. Uh, Dave, why don't you lead us in thinking about what could it look like since we're not meeting for the next couple of Sundays as a community But it doesn't mean that we don't worship or that we, just because we're being asked to exercise social distance, it doesn't mean that we're being asked to exercise isolation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that when your schedules are kind of getting decimated the way that they are right now and there's wise restrictions and disruptions just to the rhythm of our lives, is my tendency, maybe like the townspeople in the story, to kind of rail against that? Or is my tendency to see that as an opportunity that the Lord may be trying to get me to ask that question, what do you, what do you want with me? What do you want to do here with me? And would I even believe that it's possible that even with a suspension of all of these things, that doesn't suspend my union with Christ at all? And in fact, it may create the margin for Jesus like he did with this man to take the relationship into a, a much greater depth, a much greater intimacy. And so, a pause like this, like a, an unchosen pause, oftentimes can promote maturity and growth and, and deeper, real, functional faith and trust in the Lord. And so, I was thinking a little bit about it uh, today, and um, I'm going to offer a couple of my own reflections, and you guys just you guys just jump in. Do you guys
2: give like a thumbs up or a thumbs down yeah, when you say if, it? If these,
1: yeah, if they're good. Then. Yeah. We yeah. can edit
2: in like some sounds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely.
1: <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if Jesus is is saying, hey, I'm, I'm putting you guys on pause right now, you know, how then, you know, should I use my time? And, you know, one of the first things that I thought of, and, and it's challenging for me personally, even as, as a pastor is, is it's going to create an enormous amount of time for me to pray. Hmm. And it may even expose how much I have to learn about, what does it mean that the lord's inviting me into this this union and prayer relationship but that we would um instead of kind of like the crowd push jesus away <laughs> like hey get out of here prayer is really inviting him in um you know i think it's in revelation where he says behold i stand at the door and knock you know we're we're supposed to limit our contact with one another right now in some ways but there's no contact restrictions with jesus <laughs> Like you can invite him all the way in. Um, Jesus is like that friend
0: that never calls first, he just yeah. stands at your door and knocks. Yeah. yeah, are you saying that Jesus
2: doesn't have coronavirus? Does Jesus, Jesus have does a not. cell phone? Though? Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, we've kind of said aspects of this, but you know, that this is a real opportunity. You know, you said, we all said, I think last week, some version of this, that fear is an inviting emotion, right? Right. So engage the Lord in your fear. Engage the Lord in your anger. Mm-hmm. Engage the Lord in your confusion mm-hmm. and and bring it to Him. Because if, if His perfect love is what drives that out, you know, f- fear can kind of be like a squirrel that keeps getting into your attic, right? And just <laughs> like ripping apart mm-hmm. things that you don't want to have touched. Mm-hmm. You know, He's He's the one who has the power to actually drive fear out. I, I bring that to him. And and like second Corinthians 10 says, I take that thought captive. Mm -hmm. I take that fear captive. I take my anger captive. I take my, my confusion and my concern and all of that. I have to be ashamed of any of it. Bring it all to Jesus. And he says, take it captive and make it obedient to your confession of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so I, I bring it to him and, I don't have to make my fear obey Jesus. Jesus makes my fear obey Jesus. Hmm. Um, hmm. So, I was even thinking about you know we're on our phones all the time, probably looking at stuff that is kind of whipping the fear frenzy. But it's a remarkable season to live in. Like if if we were you know restricted from seeing each other a lot, even a hundred years ago or fifty years ago, uh, it would be harder to communicate. But we can communicate the truth to one another. Hmm. A lot right mm-hmm. now, like we have such access to to pedal the story of of the gospel mm-hmm. and the and the truth and remind one another the, of the truth, um, not just have those devices mm-hmm. big the thing that lets the squirrel in. Yeah. So prayer is the first thing. Second thing I was thinking about is uh, what what do we practice? And it reminded me of Colossians three, where it says that uh, in Colossians three fifteen, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful, and let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do it in the name of of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, one of the other opportunities I think we have, and it's it's connected to prayer, and it's connected to prayer with the scripture is we have the opportunity as a community, uh, as families, with our kids, with our friends, with our coworkers, to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. And, and what that means is to let the peace of Christ rule on our hearts. What does it mean to, to let the peace of Christ rule? And, and what it means is, is that I, I'm going to make a decision uh, who's going to make the call and who's going to umpire my heart in this season. Mm-hmm. And how I do that there, he says that as members of one body, you're called to peace. If if I don't let the peace of Christ umpire my heart, that doesn't just affect my ball game. It affects the body's ball game mm-hmm. because I'm going to be somebody who spreads either the gospel and the truth in this moment, or I'm going to spread something else. So like yeah, yeah, we do, we do need to be spreading something, mm-hmm. just not the virus. We need to be yeah. spreading the truth. And so... We practice that by setting uh, our minds and, and letting the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. Like, we're going to have a ton of home time and alone time. Maybe it's time for you to invite his word to dwell in you differently. Mm. Like, would you dare to believe that, yeah, it. I can't believe the masters is canceled. I can't mm-hmm. believe March Madness isn't happening. That's, what? Yeah. <laughs> i mean everybody's wondering what they're gonna watch
2: maybe randy march madness is a basketball tournament happens every year around this (laughs) time wow yeah 64 teams actually 68 teams they won't be playing anymore i know you're sad about that what's
1: what's the name of that game again yeah what does it mean to let the word dwell well we're gonna have a lot of time maybe it's it's time to say lord as you've ceased a lot of things what do you want to start like Hmm. is it possible that you want to your word could dwell in me more richly at the mm-hmm. at the end of this time in a way that that without even this unwelcome interruption, mm-hmm. I could have never welcomed in mm. a new this, a new yeah, rhythm with this you. Pace, yeah. So yeah. So we pray, we practice and then pray, practice, perform. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name or to the glory of the Lord. Whatever we do in these upcoming weeks and days, would we dare to let God's glory be the filter that we kind of drop over our hearts and minds and say, "That that's what I want to be motivated out mm-hmm. of. I glorify God when I spend time with Him. Mm-hmm. And I let Him comfort me and strengthen me and encourage my heart and cast out fear and give me wisdom. I glorify God when I care for the sick and the least of these. Mm-hmm. I glorify Him when I pray for Him to work in ways beyond... Uh, what we in our limitations can accomplish when my lips and my heart align with what I know my head is true, which is he is more powerful mm-hmm. uh, than anything any of us are facing. And I glorify God, Randy, you've taught me this more than anybody, when I'm thankful for all things. Mm-hmm. Because thankful people spread good from what God has done for them rather mm-hmm. than spread ingratitude. Mm-hmm. We have no shortage of critique, complaint, and criticism. Mm-hmm just like there's no shortage of fear, but there might be a hope shortage right now.
0: I love what you always tell me. It takes no creativity uh, to criticize. Yeah. And I think that what's beautiful about what you're saying is that uh, when we're thankful, we're creative. And I just urge all our people to really be creative in this season. Creative, even though your small group may not be meeting, it doesn't mean that you can't call the people in your small group and check in on them Mm -hmm. or have a conference call or do something fun like, you know, some kind of online uh, Skype party. Mm-hmm. But also, I just really encourage you to think about your neighbors that live around you, mm-hmm. and maybe the elderly that are on your street, that mm-hmm. you're just checking in on them and making mm-hmm. sure that they're okay. They're the most vulnerable right now in our community. Mm-hmm. And and just to let you know that you have a, a whole community of Midtowners, even though we're not gathering on Sunday morning, that are a resource for you. So if mm-hmm. you find yourself in need or one of your neighbors in need, yeah. Uh, feel free to reach out to your campus pastor or Mm -hmm. the executive director of your campus who is happy to help coordinate resources to meet some of our community's needs. So it's a great way for you, uh, for all of us, to be the hands and feet of Mm -hmm. Jesus, just like this man in the story went to his city. Now we get to go to our city. Mm -hmm. Pray for our friends. Pray for our small group. Pray for our community. Pray for the people that are not a part of Midtown, that are right there living around you Mm -hmm. and to love deeply. Yeah. Hey, just want to remind you, if uh, if you want to still worship on Sunday morning, you can go to Spotify. Playlist is Granny White Worship Songs. There's a link there that will allow you to hear a series of songs that we use in our worship services that maybe you want to spend time worshiping the Lord or inviting your kids to worship the Lord with you. Guys, it's uh, it's um, with a lot of love that we come and bring this to you this week, and we continue to pray for you, pray for us, pray for each other and uh, we pray God's blessing on uh, this city in Midtown.
1: Hey, thank you, Stephen Gauze. yeah, yes. Elder of Midtown, Granny Wider, mm-hmm. uh, who has made this all possible on mm-hmm. very short notice. Yeah.
0: And, hey, we'll see you next week, right, That's right. guys? That's all right. right. All right. forward to it. it. See you. See
1: you.